MMASoccer.com. I am your host, Calm Leslie, back for another week of MMASoccer.com and Fighting Spirit Magazine at GhostOfGamers.net if the han- if the fancy takes you. With me, as always, from Vice Fightland and various other corners of the internet and parochial Canadian regional newspapers, yeah. Sean Smith. Sean, How's how are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me, as always. And uh, yeah, let's do this. Let's let's do this. Sean's ready. Yeah. He's excited. Uh, let's ease into it, Sean. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Whoa, whoa. Did you what? Did you enjoy your MMA viewing this weekend? I did. Yeah. I mean that that card UFC one seventy eight was it? I guess I can't keep track of the numbers, but <laughs> yes, it, UFC it was one seventy eight. Yes, uh, a pretty good card from top to bottom. I think I think for the most part things went as expected, um, which is which is good for the UFC. Uh, you know, a couple new stars, a couple new top title contenders, and and we're rolling. My one bet on this card was uh, a bit of a blowout. I had a four man parlay mm-hmm. on Manny Gamburian. Good okay. start. John Tuck. Less good. Less good. Tim Kennedy robbed. Oh. <laughs> no, only only robbed because if if it I I would say I was robbed if he was the only one that fell through. But I also put Poirier on there because the odds were good. Um, that uh, would have made me like that was like fifty to one on those four guys, which I thought was quite. See, good. I didn't give Poirier a chance, and I'm like, no, I, I didn't. Know, I, either. I, I just I didn't either. But the money was my good. Own horn, but. I mean, to me, like McGregor was the much bigger guy, which he showed. He had the the better striking, and Poirier's just too damn hittable. Yeah, I didn't give him a chance either, but you know, I thought he looked good. For fifty to one, you might as well, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. UFC one seventy eight was this past weekend. It had a main event, but we're not going to talk about it. Demetrius Johnson retained the title over Chris Carriasso as expected, but we're going to talk about some of the more interesting stories on UFC one seventy eight. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the big breaking news yesterday about Kung Lee and his uh, <clears throat> enhanced physique. And then we're going to talk about the uh, weekend of MMA coming up. Lots of interesting MMA this weekend. Not as high profile maybe as UFC 178, but still lots to talk about. Let's get into it and talk about Conor McGregor first. Uh, as a starting point, I think I recommend my own piece to toot my own horn. Uh, cheap plug. Cheap plug. Uh... I just put a piece up about Conor McGregor on MMBSucker.com because I was kind of perplexed by Danny White's comment towards the end of last week that Conor McGregor doesn't get special treatment. Who does he think he's fooling? I that's a good question. I, I don't know who he thinks he's fooling. I guess just the the mainstream fans that we just anonymously talk about all I was the gonna time say, these, these mythical these that, mainstream fans yeah these fans that we like i don't want to say pretend exist but <laughs> just <laughs> uh yeah i i assume he's talking to them because anyone in the know i mean the pictures of of mcgregor and dana white and his lamborghini and all this other stuff that i mean it's very clear to me that mcgregor and the other big stars are getting special treatment and and I, like I, you argue, like that's not a bad thing. Yeah, it's definitely not a bad thing. I think uh, when if we want the UFC to make new stars to headline all these pay per views they're gonna have, then uh, you know we need to we need to give people special treatment and push these people as stars. And yes, he's just a four and prospect, but also he's not just a four and prospect. I think at this point, 
I think it's fair to compare him to Ronda Rousey, to be honest, in terms of star power. I think when you look at the UFC flying Ronda Rousey out to Macau uh, to do all the public appearances and do the Q&As and things on that card, I think you could do exactly the same with Conor McGregor and get just as much public interest. That's interesting. I don't know. I, I have a hard time judging just how popular Conor McGregor is. Um, you know, I think in the European market, he's he's a lot hotter than he is here. Um, but I think this was definitely a good step in the right direction, getting that, that quick win um, on UFC pay-per-view. First time on UFC pay-per-view. So this is definitely a step in the right direction. I don't know that he's Ronda Rousey popular yet, but, but I think he's getting there, and, and people are paying attention at this point. Um, he's getting the wins. He, he's right. If he's not in line for a title shot, he's very close. And he's got the he's got the lip to back it up. So I guess that's the main question. After he dispatched Dustin Poirier, uh, like everyone thought he would, because Poirier refused to go to ground. Um, maybe it's like Seth Petrozelli and Kimbo Slice all over again, but we're not going to get into it. <laughs> he didn't go to ground. He tried to stay on the feet. Conor McGregor is an accomplished boxer and frankly was an accomplished boxer before he even tr- he had even heard of MMA. Mm-hmm. He probably could have knocked Dustin Poirier out on the feet. Um, but he's, you know, he's an accomplished grappler now. He's an accomplished jiu-jitsu. He really has a lot to offer, but we only saw the stand-up game really again. Um, but, you know, he won in just over a minute. He is riding high. He's running a wave of popularity. I've seen a lot of people saying you should get the next title shot. People... You know, fans, I've seen a lot of uh, of writers, people, even writers I respect, people like Ben Folks, saying, you know, give him the title shot. Why risk giving him a, a loss when you, and you'd hurt his momentum? Strike while the iron is hot and give him the damn yep. title shot. I'm actually in agreement with that completely. I think, you know, four straight wins. Dustin Poirier was a top 10 featherweight, and there's nobody else right there. I mean, it all depends on injuries and whatnot. The other fight that i think we have to keep in mind is the cub swanson frankie edgar fight the winner of that is probably right in line for a title shot as well um it really depends on the timeline if aldo mendez if the winner whoever that is walks out of that fight unscathed um i don't know i think you probably go with connor um early next year sort of thing then the winner of that would probably face the swanson edgar winner but if the winner of that is out for a while, then I guess probably the Edgar Swanson winner would get the first shot. So so it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I have no issue with Conor McGregor getting the next title shot. Um, like you were saying that, that Ben Folk said, strike while the iron's hot. He, he's very popular right now. He's he's kind of the talk of the MMA world. So, so why not capitalize on that? This is a business. It's... Uh... Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. There is a really strong case. And I can understand uh, why they would not do it. Um, mm-hmm. However, it would make, it makes a lot of sense. And I think there'll be a lot of people that will criticize the UFC for it. That he hasn't been tested. He's only fought one uh, ranked guy. And that's valid. That's not, uh, a, that's not a crazy criticism. However, Conor McGregor seems to think he's fighting Diego Sanchez. Yeah, what's so Conor McGregor all but announced that he'd be fighting Diego Sanchez on the Mexico card, and Dana White came out and said, "I don't know what he's talking about. That's not true." So, so I don't know where Conor's getting his information. Maybe Dana is full of it. Like, who knows what's going on here? It wouldn't surprise me if Conor got right back in there. He does fight, you know, fairly back to back. He fought in July. He fight. 
fought in September. So so he's definitely the kind of fighter who who definitely wants to stay busy. So it wouldn't shock me, but there's so many questions. Does that fight happen at 155? Like I would assume so, yeah. But that's I don't know. Um that's it's not that it's a dangerous fight. I don't think Santos would win, but who knows? I mean, one shot can can end everything. Yeah, I guess the problem with Diego Sanchez is he's very hard to finish. Um, mm-hmm. And you could get into a situation where Conor McGregor goes to war with Diego Sanchez for 15 minutes, like Diego Sanchez did with Gilbert Melendez. And mm-hmm. I mean, even though Melendez won that fight handily, and I think Conor McGregor could blow away Diego Sanchez and probably knock him out, he might not do it in the first round. And if he even gets five minutes of Diego Sanchez's crazy punching to the face, Connor doesn't mind getting punched in the face. He keeps his hands very low. He could end up, you know, he could end up with a broken orbital. He could end up with, you know, an eye injury. He could end up with a broken jaw. He could end up mm-hmm. breaking his hands on Diego Sanchez's solid head. Any yeah. number of things that could mean he, his, he could be out for a long time and he could really mess up the UFC scheduling. And it's not like that Mexico card needs star power. You know what I mean? There's no reason for him to do the quick turnaround to get right back in there to to save the UFC or something like that. That's not really the case. That Mexico card is pretty stacked, and and the main event is fantastic between uh, Verdum and Cain Velasquez. So, Yo, so Diego so, Sanchez is already supposed to be fighting Norman Park. Right. So, Which is more of a fight that makes sense to me. I don't understand. I think that's quite an interesting I'm... fight. Yeah, yeah. I like, I, I I like so that fight. Well. I like it for where Norman Park is in the division versus where Diego Sanchez is. I like it in the student avenging the master kind of way because mm-hmm. Norman Park was... Uh, Ross Pearson was Norman Park's coach and Ultimate Fighter. I quite like that. That's quite yeah. a cool little storyline for them to sell as a, a subplot further down the pay-per-view card. I think that, that you know that pay-per-view's already got a lot to offer. I don't think you need uh, Conor McGregor on there. Personally, I think you send him to Brazil in October and have him call out the winner of Aldo Mendes. You do that fight, what, maybe March? Yeah, it depends how long, I mean, how long the champion is out, but yeah. I mean, they have pay-per-views all the way through till February. It could be their Super Bowl card headliner. You know what I mean? I think you could headline with that for for one of their bigger cards. When would the Super Bowl? I I don't know. Uh, Early February. I don't know how how your sports works, Sean. Early February, they usually do a fairly big card around that time, uh, the night before the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's when they had uh, Hen and Barrow. <laughs> that was a super. That was a super big card. Okay, you know what I mean. Yeah, that was that was a fun pay per view. Um, that, that pay per view was awful. Uh, yeah, so they could do that for the Super Bowl. They could. I mean, part of me thinks if you're not gonna do him versus. If you're not going to go to him in a title fight straight away, if you're going to go to the, the Swanson Edgar winner, fine. I think Connor has to headline the O2 Arena in London at the end of February. That makes sense to me. I mean, yeah. I don't know who else you're going to stick in there that would do better in that, in that spot. Yeah, maybe. You think Bisping would do better than McGregor at this point? Um, I think, I think Bisping would achieve a sell as close to a sellout as they're going to get probably i think i you know i'm not sure what the difference is between what what bisping could do in that building and mcgregor can do in that building due to the limitations of the building rather than how big is the the building um so what what did they do in the o2 arena this year they did 
14 and a half for Gustafson. Okay. Probably the last there. Yeah, I guess Gus would be the biggest. But... Four. They did 17 for Bisping Akiyama. Wow. Wow. Let's, let me check this. Yeah. Is that, that's not a pay-per-view in February, though, right? No. No, it's just a TV. A fight pass card, I assume. They only did 10,000 at... Oh, that was Wembley, not O2. The O2... The O2, they did 17 for Bisping, um, but that was the highest. They, they usually do about 14. Okay. Um, they did 15 for Hughes Alves back in 2008. Jeez, I forgot that that happened over there. <laughs> I mean, like, it holds about 20,000 for basketball, so you could push it up to close basketball? to 20. Basketball? Yeah. You have basketball over there? I think, have they not done NBA games there? Oh, yeah, they might have had a couple. It's, uh, I mean, that's a fairly comparable setup. Right. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you could push it off towards 20,000. Maybe you get 17, 18. Uh, but I think you could, I think you could do that with Bisping. Bisping hasn't fought in the UK in a long time. So who, I mean, we're talking hypothetical, but who would you give Conor McGregor if he's on that card in a headlining slot? <sighs> who would you give? I mean, let's, let's pull up the trusty unfather unflappable rankings. Yes. Um, Could you go... The winner of Lamas Bermudez, probably? See, I would maybe go with Zombie. <laughs> When's he back? Uh, when is Zombie back? That's a good point. I think he's a more a more marketable talent. Uh, people seem to know him. He headlined that pay-per-view against Aldo as, as poorly as he did. Um, and he's popular. I, I think that'd be a fun fight, too. Yeah. Uh, Oh, so he apparently it was a very small injury on for Korean Zombie, so oh, okay. he could be a potential Conor McGregor opponent. That'd be all kinds of fun, I think. And a perfect and a great again a great style matchup for Conor McGregor. Oh yeah, I think, <laughs> I, think, I mean if I we're looking at protecting Conor, I think you're avoiding Lamas, you're avoiding Bermudez, you're avoiding Lentz, those kind of guys that you know could potentially expose his his wrestling or submission game. That is a, which that which is, is improving, I, but that is something I do find quite funny is that you know Nick Lentz called out Conor McGregor and said that Conor was ducking him, and yes, Nick, Conor McGregor is probably now a star above Nick Lentz's level in the featherweight division, but yeah. Nick Lentz could also possibly you know has the uh, one of the worst style matchups for Conor McGregor. Nick Absolutely. Lentz, my boy, fellow gamer, Your boy, I do Heart love up in here. I do love Nick Lentz. Um, but, you know, he could be a tough opponent for Connor, so he's probably going to avoid that guy. Yeah. I mean, for the same reason, you probably don't want him facing, like, even the loser of Swanson, Edgar. I mean, I, I would probably take McGregor over Swanson, I think. I think he could probably knock him out. Uh, Edgar, I think, would probably beat McGregor. I don't know. I, I want to see McGregor take on some of these top guys. Um, even Lamas, I, I don't know. I, I guess I would take McGregor, but I'm What's not weird. confident in that. It's Cub Swanson. In my head, Cub Swanson is huge, and Conor McGregor is not as big as Cub Swanson. Apparently, Conor McGregor is two inches taller than Cub Swanson. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I look at McGregor as just a massive featherweight. Hmm. I guess. I guess because he fought Max Holloway, it just skews everything in my mind. <laughs> yeah. Holloway's a monster. He is, he is. But yeah, I know mean, you could do Bisping in the UK, but doing a, a Connor fight in the UK would make a lot of sense. 
Um, he's the he's the hot hot thing right now. So I, I would I want to get him out there as often as possible. I think, or push him towards a title shot. Don't I mean, have him sitting on the sidelines. Yeah, I mean this is the thing. Like he is kind of single handedly growing the sport in the UK and Ireland right now. Yes. In a lot of ways. Yeah. When did we start? That's fifteen minutes. Good. Oh. Time out the show. Timing out the show. Well timed. Excellent. Smooth transitions. Smooth operator. We talked about all of Conor McGregor's potential opponents. Obviously, someone who's not going to be having any potential opponents in the next 12 months now, rather than nine, is uh, Kung Lee. In a surprise to no one, he tested positive for excessive levels of HDH, uh, artificial HDH. Um, What was a surprise that he was caught for HDH, firstly. Um... I was listening well, to. Well, I mean, it's only a surprise because the UFC was overlooking this event. And well, it's also a surprise because HGH is is knowedly is. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Do people know about it. Yeah, well, people people know that it is hard to catch people for HGH because yeah. they the claim is now that they can catch it up to a couple of days after you take a shot. But the belief is still that it has to be a few hours. So Kung Lee has been taking HGH, like, after the weigh-ins. Really? Um, I mean, he at, it le- like... he at least has to be t- doing it, like, while he's doing fight week. Wow. So yeah, I guess it's not, he does, It's not even yeah. like he was taking HGH in camp and then got popped. Like, this was a fight night drug test. So he is undisputed. He was undisputedly taking hgh while in fight week preparations so what like would he bring hgh with him from he must have the united done. states to china like that seems like crazy i was gonna say that seems like a really good way to spend some time in prison yeah in i a, mean in a horrible chinese prison as well not even like a nice american prison <laughs> this isn't a, a luxury prison here um that seems crazy to me i i'd be interested to hear i mean he's never gonna say it but like, like, what are you thinking? What are you, what are you doing? And and that picture that came out of him just before the fight, where he just looks—I well, bet he, he regrets bro- taking that picture. Yeah, just flexing. He looks bigger than the Hulk. Like, and the guy's in his forties, I think, at this point. So it's just crazy. I, I'm glad that he got caught, or <laughs> I'm glad that the UFC is actually suspending him. Because, I mean, it would be very easy for them to brush this under the rug. No one's going to check. No one can check. Because it's like a private company or whatever. But it's interesting. And I I would have to think, I mean, is he going to come back at his age? Or is he done? Kung Lee? I find it hard to see that he's going to come back. Though, you know, he was on the sidelines for a long time for his last fight. Although he also didn't look good in that, very good in that fight and got kind of destroyed by Michael Bisping. Um, the UFC obviously they initially went with a nine month suspension which is what the Nevada Athletic Commission would have done they decided to go up to uh, 12 months well, I think to send a message which I think is good because yeah, HGH is a really dangerous thing and you sort of imagine and I'm not in any way suggesting that Michael Bisping takes HGH or has ever taken drugs but can you imagine if Michael Bisping had been on HGH in that fight because that was Kung Lee on HGH and Bisping destroyed his face can oh, you yeah. imagine if he that had been the other part. way around and Kung Lee had not been on HGH and Bisping had? Like, Kung Lee could have suffered some serious injuries. Well, the thing, 
and I, I think we've talked about this before, is that if you're taking steroids in a combat sport, you are more dangerous. And I'm, you're I'm more, thing, you're more dangerous. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut you off because I need to rant about this, right? Okay, go ahead. So go ahead. a Bellator fighter, a UK Bellator fighter, I'll name him, Rob Sinclair. Is he still fighting for Bellator? I don't know if he ever actually fought for Bellator, but he got signed. Let me check. Rob Sinclair, who was Bama champion, he uh, hasn't fought since 2012, but he's still ostensibly signed to Bellator, I believe. Um, he tweeted this morning, oh, I don't see the sense in banning him. We might as well just let people take what they want. That's what they do in strongman competitions. Strongman competitions? You don't punch Jesus each other in the buddy. face. No. You're putting each other's lives on the line when you get in the cage. If you have an unfair advantage that your opponent doesn't know about, I mean, you are a much more dangerous weapon than they're expecting. Like, that's crazy to suggest. And strongman competitions aren't, I mean, I guess they're legitimate sports, but not really. If you want the sport to be taken seriously, you ca you have to, have to have this. You have to have drug testing. Like, it's crazy to suggest that we shouldn't. Yeah. It's absolutely insane, and I think it's great that the UFC is doing something about this. This is all part of their wider drug testing expansion. Uh, according to Lorenzo Fertitta uh, earlier today, I think, from on MMA Fighting, um, you said, said this on UFC Tonight, um, they're going to be testing every fighter out of competition randomly multiple times per year. Who said that? Uh, Fert Lorenzo Fertitta. Who's going to pay for that, I wonder? The UFC. The UFC is investing in this. They're investing millions of dollars into into random drug testing. They're going to do blood and urine drug testing. Um, this sounds great. This is a great idea. Yeah. yeah. Let's uh, let's see how it works. I mean, <laughs> I, I want to see this put into practice. And, and I really do think that there is a drug problem in this sport. So if this, if this is real, if this is... You know, actually happening. There's going to be a lot of people that get caught. Yeah. So that so really, it, it uh, to me, it's that black and white. Like, if a lot of people are getting caught, okay, maybe this is legitimate. If a lot of people aren't getting caught, then clearly this is just BS. And I mean, they only need to catch a certain proportion of people to try and start shaking the image of the sport as a dirty sport. Right. And I guess that's probably that's really more of a concern to them. Than actual, than the athleticism and sort of sporting reasons for wanting to catch drug treats. No, they want their sport to be seen as legitimate. They want it to be seen as clean, and they want to get, you know, shake a little bit of that rougher image. And mm -hmm. but random drug testing is a good thing, and if it, you know, saves a few people some bodily harm, uh, it stops people putting stuff into their body that could harm them in later life because they feel like they need to in order to compete. And I, you know. No one is suggesting for a moment that everyone who takes drugs is a bad person in this sport. A right. lot of them do it because they feel like they have to, particularly, you know, you see these prelim guys on eight and eight and you think, well, if I do a little bit of uh, old school bodybuilder drug that I'm absolutely definitely going to get popped for, then maybe I'm, you know, maybe if I, if I manage to evade a test or I don't get tested randomly, maybe I get a knockout of the night bonus. And my nine and nine becomes and gets an extra fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, that's your yearly salary in a yeah. sense. I mean, if you're fighting eight and eight three times a year, you'd have to win all three of those to to get close to fifty thousand. So, yeah. So you can see why guys do it, particularly prelim guys, uh, guys like Kung Lee. I don't understand it. I think he makes. I mean, it may have been like 
something for a movie or something and he just well no not i'm i don't know what movie roles he had coming up after this but he may have needed to be bigger or something i don't really know i i there's no logical explanation there's no reasonable explanation for sure no no um but if the ufc is going to get tougher on drug testing and is going to start randomly testing everyone all the time all times of the day and night uh they need to turn up to a couple of guys houses at like three in the morning just do, yeah. just like two or three times can we have it on fight pass <laughs> just the inspectors have like body dana cams. white's here at whoever's house rashad evans house we're doing the test right now we're at uh i'm trying to think of a low-level fighter who could live in a slum i don't know jorgensen we're here at scott jorgensen's cardboard box <laughs> uh dana white i'm here to fucking drug test this fucker Listen get, here, the, get the fu- get the fuck up drop your fucking <laughs> pants pee in the fucking cup pee in the cup man do you want to be a fucking fighter then pee in the cup <laughs> excellent i'd watch that fight pass subscriptions would go through the roof oh moving yes. on let's talk about some of the other stuff that happened at ufc 178 two of the really interesting stories for me coming out of that where uh the two comebacks back-to-back yes. fights the one was on the prelim one was on the pay-per-view card dominic cruz and kat zingano both coming off of long layoffs uh, zingano didn't have as long a layoff as dominic cruz but she probably had a more traumatic layoff uh dominic yeah, cruz absolutely bo- double knee injury multiple times nearly three years just what a month short of three years i think so i think you're right uh so you're looking at 35 months if my maths is correct which it hasn't yeah, been so yeah. far today 35 months he he looked amazing against Taika Mizugaki. uh one of his best career performances and the kind of aggression we don't often see from him he's usually a, a very calculated fighter but when he got Mizugaki on the ground I mean he was damaging him like oh my goodness was he beating on him and I thought the thing that I thought was awesome was that he goes out there and he has that performance and then suddenly when everyone was talking about oh well maybe you've got to give him some time before he gets his title shot you know we want to let him don't want to throw him in too early and have him get beat you know <laughs> now everyone's like yep yep let's do that let's do Cruz Dillashaw that's going to be awesome yeah um also because uh, you have to at this point well they, they also have the problem that there are very few fights out there for Dillashaw um particularly yeah, I mean, particularly the if the Barrow rematch is now done yeah, I I mean, that's probably a topic for another day, but I don't know what, what happens with Brow at this point. I mean, Sun is the only other option, but Dillashaw versus Cruz is is the fight to make. Cruz is hot. He's back. It's his title. I mean, in his eyes anyway. So, so I don't know how you don't make that fight. For sure. I mean, like you say, it is his title. He never lost it. So it's very hard to argue against him getting a title shot when he looks that good. Yeah. So hopefully, Cruz Dillashaw. Hopefully nobody gets injured. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Now, the one that looks a little bit more difficult to call is the women's bantamweight title pitcher, Kat Zingano. Uh, former number one contender was supposed to get the Ultimate Fighter and all the things that come with that. The big pay per view co headline slot on the biggest pay per view of the year against Ronda Rousey. She didn't get that. Instead. She got Amanda Nunez after a year on the after over a year on the sidelines, um, mm-hmm. the death of her husband. Uh, I think she injured her knee twice, didn't she? Um, maybe. I can't remember. Um, she was out quite a while, anyways. Yeah, she she had a, a significant knee injury. 
yeah uh, and obviously her, her husband passed away um but now she went in there and very emotional cat zingano um it was kind of it was in some ways a little bit hard to watch because you could see there was just so much therapy for her going on during the fight yeah um and while she just i think the walk to the cage and walking into the cage again was such a huge thing for her personally she cried when she got the finish it was a uh, it was a big deal it was hard to watch but it was also hugely compelling and i think again a, a great thing to be able to sell yeah and uh, it's interesting you say that this is is less obvious because to me like cats and gone is your number one contender I mean, you look down that list. She's the only one left. I guess the reason for me it's more it's less convincing is well, you've only just built Cats and Gunner back up again, and then she's going to lose to Ronda Rousey. See, I've been reading that that they almost has it been announced in Gunner versus Rousey because I've I, seen multiple places say that they are fighting on the January three card. Uh, I mean, it's apparently scheduled. Uh, yes. But but also Zingano has another injury from the fight. But is it, I, I mean, this is what it was Dana said at the press conference. Um, I don't think he said uh, confirm. Um, he said that's what I'm assuming. And you guys, uh, but she was screaming at me after the fight. Uh, that's the statement she wanted to make tonight. She was the fans need to see. She reminded everyone why she was in line for a title fight, and she did that. I don't think yeah. Dana White has actually confirmed it. But uh, MMA News Now has an article up saying it's confirmed, and that's uh, that's cited in on Wikipedia. So, oh dear. Um, well, I, either way, to me, she's she's next in line. I mean, if we're going from purely ranking standpoint, she's number one, and number two, three, four, and five have already had their shots and lost. So, I mean, Beth Correa is trying to get there. Um, Andrade is trying to get there, but they're not. But they're she, not there yet. No, no, they're not. Um, so Zingano's so number one to me, and I think she's the most compelling of anyone left in the division as an opponent for Ronda Rousey. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think it's the most obvious fight. I'm just not entirely convinced that it's a good fight to make for the future of Kat Zingano and the future of her career. Well, it's interesting you say that because I, I did put up a piece on Fightland the other day saying that, that, that the, the appeal of Zingano is almost in the fact that she hasn't faced Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey is like a career killer. I mean, Sarah McMahon, uh, Alexis Davis, well, Sarah McMahon especially, she she came out, um, she lost to, to Rousey in, what was it, like a minute, and, and she looked terrible in her fight after that. Misha Tate twice lost to Rousey. I think she's 2-3 and three or 3-2 or and two since the first Rousey fight. Uh, and Kaufman's looked terrible since... Her Rousey fight. Um, she's a career killer. That's, uh, that's certainly one way of putting it. I think <laughs> I didn't. I did enjoy your piece on Fightland, as I always okay. do. Oh, well, thank you. With your work, because you are wonderful. But uh, yeah, we'll the money after. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it will be interesting to see where that goes and see what they do with the women's title picture. Because then, I guess you know, if you beat Zingano, you have the and then what problem. So, so what do you do instead of Zingano at this point? I, I don't know. If Carano is dead, I think Zingano is probably the, the most likely option. I think then Kohea has to beat right. somebody. I don't think you rush Kohea, especially like, like we were talking about last week. If you think Rousey is leaving, you have to keep these young fighters who are, you know, pretty it's such hot. such a good storyline, though. I want to see the promo. I want to see that promo. 
Oh, the four horsewomen. I want to see them all get beaten by Betch Cohea. <laughs> My goodness. My can we, goodness. Can we just bring Marina Schaefer to the UFC just to have Betch Cohea beat her? I'd watch that. <laughs> can she fight all three of them at once? She'd still beat them, probably. She probably would still beat them. Um, what else happened on the UFC 178 card? We had Eddie Alvarez making his triumphant debut in the UFC. Finally, not, so excited for Eddie Alvarez. It's gonna be such a good, triumphant. such a good fight against Donald Cerrone. I'm so ex- Oh no, he lost. It was not exciting, and it wasn't that great. No, it wasn't. Hmm. Um, and I think we both. I mean, we didn't say that it wasn't going to be an exciting fight, but we both said Cerrone had the advantage here. Yeah. And it went roughly as we thought it would, I would say. I mean, Cerrone used his leg kicks, and I think we both said that that his advantage was in his dynamic striking, and his he's very technical. He has the leg kicks. Alvarez has never been able to defend leg kicks and never really uses leg kicks. He's a boxer, uh, an inside dirty kind of boxer, which doesn't work against someone with Cer- like Cerrone, who who uses his reach so well. And, and we, I think we saw that. Definitely. We, Alvarez did have Cerrone hurt in the first round, Yeah, um, which can't be underestimated. He did get him down, uh, or get him hurt, rather. Um, but Cerrone seemed in control for most of the rest of that fight. Have um, you looked at the rankings since uh, since this fight? Should I? Um, you probably shouldn't, but Eddie Alvarez moved from, I believe he was 15 last week, to number 10. Huh. And Nate Diaz is now ranked again. So, yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, that's funny, eh? Poor Ross Pearson. Yeah. He just got on the rankings. Oh. Yeah, Eddie Alvarez, Eddie Alvarez is now ranked higher than Michael Johnson. Um, he's the, the Michael, dude's 0-1 in the UFC. Michael Johnson's on a three-fight winning streak. Uh, Jorge Masvidal's on a three-fight winning streak. He's ranked above him. Eddie Alvarez is uh, has has won. He's won zero fights in the UFC, and yet he's a top ten guy. Well, not only is he a top ten guy, they moved his ranking up four spots. I mean. Had he won that fight, he probably would only be number 10. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, I mean, really? Are you going to put him ahead of of a Miles Jury who's on a, a six-fight win streak after one win? Probably not. No, probably not. Um, maybe above Jim Miller, I guess? I guess. What's that? About maybe above Jim Miller? Maybe. I... I don't know, Jim Miller's just one of those weird... Like, he's not really ever going to get closer to a title shot, I don't think, than he is right now. I'm just looking at the... I, like, uh, I, think he, I don't think he'll ever be above nine again in his career. I'm looking at the, uh, origi- the, the actual individual ranking ballots, and I have to say, uh, I generally look to Mark Rimondi for some sense and mm-hmm. some logic, and he, he has uh, Alvarez at 11, behind Masvidal and Johnson, ahead of Miller... Uh, Havilov, Barbosa, and Pearson. Right. I think that's probably fair. Yeah. And I think that's I mean, the kind of level of fighter I want to see Eddie Alvarez get next. I'd like to see Eddie Alvarez versus a Michael Johnson or against even a guy like a Jim Miller. See, um, I'd like to see Alvarez versus Masvidal just because I think it'd be a fun fight. Even if it's not like completely making sense in the rankings, like just two fun boxers, I, I think Alvarez could win that fight and, and probably look good, maybe. But um, I just think that'd be a fun fight to watch. Well, we have to wait and see what they're gonna do with him. We have 
a few minutes left in this part of the show, mm-hmm. and I wanted to leave it so we had as little time to talk about it as possible. Let's talk about Yo Romero's stool. <laughs> Who do you blame in this? Uh, I blame the commission. I blame his coroner, and I probably blame Big John McCarthy. So, so tell the people what happened here. So, Just what happened so, was if you didn't watch this. Yo Romero was getting destroyed by Tim Kennedy at the end of the second round. Very um, close to being finished. So close. Very close. Ever so close. Um, but the bell rang, and he was saved by the bell. Uh, they mm. both went back to the corners. Yo Romero was on his stool. The bell, the the buzzer went, not the bell. He didn't an- not answering the bell because there is no bell. But the buzzer went, I believe, for the beginning of the third round. Um, and Yo Romero didn't get off his stool. He was still sitting there. Uh, his corner were ushered out of the cage and didn't take the stool with him. They just left him sitting on the stool. He's still sitting on the stool at this point. We're talking like like 15, 20 seconds after the round was supposed to start at this point. And there is no excuse for the cornerman for getting a stool, really. Well, I don't think it was forgotten. Um, but I also don't think Joel Romero was like, hey guys, leave the stool here. So I what? I don't think that was possible. And then why, why are you holding the commission to blame? Because the commission should have said, get out and take the stool with you. Or the second that they moved away without picking up the stool, the commission guy should have pushed Joel Romero to his feet, taken the stool, and thrown it out of the cage. Do you think that he should have been disqualified? Like, I don't, like, <sighs> forgot the stool? He's still sitting on the stool. I mean, at this point, he's still sitting on the stool. We're talking... 30 seconds probably i guess it 30 depends. plus seconds when joe mccarthy goes over if joe mccarthy says get up off the stool and he doesn't get up off the stool that's Fight's over that's the fight over that's disqualification because that's the equivalent of saying fight back or yeah. you know defend yourself it's... so do you hold john mccarthy to blame here at all i th- i think to an extent because i think if you see a fighter not getting up off his stool when he's supposed to you got to think this fight could very well be over. I've got to go and check if this guy is actually, if he want, if he's going to continue, if he's able to continue. Right. So you get the guy to stand up. You look him in the eye, and you say, "Are you are you are you willing to continue? Are you ready to continue?" And if the guy looks out of it, if you're John McCarthy, then you got to call the fight. If the guy doesn't want to get up off the stool when you tell him to get up off the stool, if he disobeys a direct command from the referee. How much of this, though, goes down to, like, a language barrier? It's possible. However, that's that's not John McCarthy's fault. No. It's not John McCarthy's fault if you don't learn, if you don't learn the language to understand the referee if you're going to go fight in a foreign country. I think... Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I feel like the referee speaks the country, the language of the country you're in. I think if you have an English ref in Brazil... And a Brazilian fighter doesn't understand the referee, then that's one thing. So you think that where the fight takes place plays into it? I think it does. Interesting. I think if you're gonna go fight somewhere else, then you expect to fight a referee. You expect a referee from that country, right? And it is your responsibility to follow the instructions of the referee. And language doesn't really come into it. It's your instructions to follow. It's your responsibility to follow their instructions. So what do you think? Uh, for those that didn't see it, late in the second round. Tim Kennedy grabbed the glove of Yoel Romero while he's punching him. Therefore, Romero couldn't really defend himself. What do you think of that? Do you think that was 
was that illegal? There's been a lot of a lot of debate whether or not that was uh, an illegal move to grab the glove or or. How much do you think the the glove grab really played into it? I I don't think that it's the reason that he almost got finished, but I I, I think it was pretty clear he was taking shots because he couldn't defend himself for for two you know two or three shots. But I think he was already hurt, and he would have. I don't think it played a, a big factor, but but he did clearly grab the glove. Yeah, well, did but, he grab the wrist? But what's or the was rule? it the glove? Right. Well, you can grab the wrist. That's allowed. So you can't grab the glove. You can't put your finger. I don't think you can put your fingers inside the glove. How would you even get them in the glove? I mean, he clearly didn't have his fingers inside the glove. He grabbed him by the hand while he was hitting him with his other hand. I think it's. Uh... That seems to be the argument that people have as to why Tim Kennedy shouldn't complain. That's what I've seen a lot of. I don't know about you. I think... I mean, fundamentally, it goes down to... If you're an MMA fighter, cheat if you can get cheat until you don't get away with it no more. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, the fact that in this sport, you can break the rules and then get a warning, even though you've been told the rules beforehand, is ridiculous. You can get multiple warnings. Oh, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, but the fact you can get a single warning is ridiculous. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, you can break the rules and you can get away with it to a certain extent. So cheat if you can get away with it. Why not? It's what everyone else is doing. Everyone's yeah. grabbing the fence. Yeah, and they almost never take a point. Yeah. But everyone grabs the fence at all times. Yeah. Yeah. If it were up absolutely. to me, you put one finger through the fence, point. You, you, get, you get a point taken away. Yeah. And then you know what? People would stop grabbing the motherfucking fence. Whoa. That's what would happen. There you go. I'm um, not disagreeing. But yeah, I, th I think to your question, I think it's hard to apply the logic of, well, yeah, this guy broke the rules and it probably affected the outcome of the fight. Well, arguably it affected the outcome of the fight. But this guy, you broke another rule which might have affected the outcome of the fight. Therefore, it's all square. It's not. I don't think that's how it works. I think it, every infraction should be judged individually. So if Tim Kennedy broke the rules, then take a point away. If your Romero broke the rules, then take a point away or DQ him. Uh, you know. So what... I mean, I guess nothing can happen at this point. I, Tim Kennedy said he was going to appeal the decision, but... Nah. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. No, I, I look. Multiple fighters have done that, and I've never seen them overturn it. It's or very, never, very rarely. Why would they overturn it? No, I, I, to overturn it, you would be admitting that you were in fault. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <sighs> That's that that bloody still, Stillgate, everybody. It will rumble on. I am sure. Let's move on. And let's look ahead. Let's stop looking back. Okay. Let's look ahead because there are three significant MMA events this weekend. No fewer three. than three this Saturday, in fact. Um, let me just get my times up here and see what we're looking at. So we have uh, Sweden first, which is uh, prime time for me. Which yeah. Excellent. It's and then some late night MMA from Halifax. There you go. Nova Scotia. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then at some point, 
We got a crazy old school tournament from Oklahoma with Jim Ross and Chael Sonnen. I think the tournament is Friday night. Is it? Yeah. You are correct. It is tomorrow night, the tournament. Yeah. Uh, the draw is today. That's very exciting. Hope they have a, yeah. I hope they broadcast it live. I This tournament is Why is, is this not on Fight Pass? Why have the UFC not got this on Fight Pass? This is a com- incredibly compelling tournament. You know what I would do if I was... If I were the UFC or Battlegrounds or someone, I would say whoever wins the tournament gets a UFC contract. I mean, that would add a lot more to this tournament, wouldn't it? I don't care about that. I just don't understand why the <laughs> UFC hasn't gone, we will give you, how, well, how much is it costing to do your production? We will cover it. Let's put it on Fight Pass. Yeah. Because more people I... will watch it on Fight Pass than will watch it on Pay-Per-View. Jim Ross and Chael Sonnen. Jim Donald. Ross and Chael Sonnen. Good old JR. I mean, we're both wrestling fans. We love JR. I'm, I'm sure you do. Um... And then with Chael Sonnen, I mean, that should be fantastic. I want to hear about how, you know, Cody McKenzie has a family. I want to hear Trey Houston's been broken in half. By God. <laughs> By God. I want, to, I want to hear about Jesse Taylor stomping a mud hole. Yes. It's going to, it's going to be great. It's going to be the best. Well, JR did uh, boxing fairly recently, and he did a really good job. Yeah, unfortunately. Which shouldn't be as surprising yeah. as it was, but. He is, uh, he's trying to get away from his wrestling persona to do these legitimate sports. He didn't wear the cowboy hat when he did the boxing. He wasn't JR. He's just Jim Ross. Uh, he yep. doesn't doesn't use the uh, the cliched wrestling terms. But yeah, he was very good at the boxing. Um, I says, as a non-boxing fan, um, I felt compelled by his commentary. So I look forward to hearing commentary on MMA. Yeah. Um, and Chael Sonnen will be entertaining. He's always good value. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see how they do. I mean, Chael Sonnen, to my knowledge, hasn't done commentary before, so it could be a little bit of a cluster fuck, but uh, we'll see. I, I think it'll be fun, if nothing else. It definitely will. It definitely will be fun. Um, what might be slightly less fun is a card from Sweden with lots of people without Wikipedia pages. Let's talk can, about it. Can, wait, wait. First, can we can we make picks on this tournament? You want to pick on the tournament? Yeah, let's do it. I'm, I'm going to say Jesse Taylor. Ah, that's who I was going to say. Oh. Uh, I'm going to go just because Taylor was my number one. I'm going to say Brock Larson. Really? Yeah. I think Jesse Taylor. Jesse Taylor has tournament experience. Taylor is my number one pick. Like <laughs> I, He's by far the best, the best welterweight here, I think. Um, you know, the most likely to, to see big uh you know whether it's ufc or somewhere else i could see him coming out of this tournament and getting that that shot that he deserves it at this point i think i think i think he's grown up enough to where the ufc could reasonably re-sign him but he's still still only 31 is that it yeah i guess so uh the great thing about these tournaments is that anything can happen i mean if you get cut in the first round you're done even if you win yeah so so i mean these tournaments are just so much fun to watch because they're so bizarre and it's never the person you think it is that walks out the winner. He, uh, or very other... rarely. <laughs> the other thing that I think is, uh, we should mention is the excellent piece on MMA junkie by Sean Oshadi yes. on the history of one night tournaments, speaking to people who've been involved in them. Um, definitely worth checking out. Absolutely. And... I, I will second that. <laughs> to get yourself hyped up for this one night tournament definitely check that out 
Let's talk about Sweden. Gunnar Nelson, Rick Story is your main event. Five rounds. This is from Stockholm. It is, I believe, the first Sweden card without Alex Gustafsson. Uh, yes. Is this the third one? Uh, yes. So the no, first no, was... no, no, no. The first one had been Sassi Latifi. It was supposed to have Gustafsson, though. So this but... is the first scheduled one without Gustafsson. It's the third card. Uh, Gus last... Tiago was the first one, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so they had Gus Tiago, they were going to have Gus Musasi end up being right. Latifi, uh, right. and then Nelson. Right. So so this card, um, pretty f- fun, I think. I mean, the top two fights are fun. I think Gunnar Nelson versus Rick Story is, is a very compelling fight. Uh, Gunnar Nelson, the submission guy. Rick Story is a wrestler, though. So, so if he can keep it on the feet, I mean, we could see Gunnar Nelson, different aspects of Gunnar Nelson's game that... I don't. I don't know that we've seen that much of. I mean, he's he's just taken everybody down and submitted them so far. Is he gonna be able to do that to Rick Story here? I don't know. Rick Story is a very tough opponent for Gunnar Nelson, I think. And uh, I mean, Rick Story has a great record. He has some great wins. He's not been done so well against Kelvin Gastelum and Mike Pyle recently. But I think Gunnar Nelson should be able to beat him. I think it could well go to a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, which would be interesting to see how he, how both of them fared over five rounds. Yeah, I think I... their conditioning and and how they each survive over that over that period. I think, I guess Gunnar Nelson being the slightly smaller guy and maybe having a less onerous weight cut to one seventy will probably play a factor in that if it goes that length. Yeah, we've never really seen you know Gunnar Nelson's cardio tested, so so I really don't know what to expect in that sense and and rick story kind of the same way we've never really seen either of them in a five-round fight so so that i think is going to be a big factor in this fight especially if it goes past three rounds definitely um also on that card akira cross sunny max holloway which is fun uh yeah Alir, Alir latifi's on the card who he's actually been really impressive at light heavyweight apart from that uh, his debut against gergo masasi but the diabadi fight and the chris dempsey fight both yeah. first round finishes uh latifi looks insanely good yeah, and when he made his his debut, I really didn't think that much of him. Um, I mean, he made that fight on four or five days' notice, and Something he didn't like look that. good. Granted, he was facing Musasi, but since then, I had a brutal fantastic. weight cut to 205 as well. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's going to be a title contender, but, but light heavyweight needs guys like this. Uh, you know, maybe he can be that gatekeeper. Maybe he can... You know, just give top 10 guys something to think about. Um, with a win here, I mean, Latifi's knocking on the door of being ranked at light heavyweight, is he not? I don't pretty understand, straight, I don't understand how he isn't catch. already. Yeah, I mean, at this point, well, we went through this last week, but how Vitor Belfort is, continues to be ranked is mind-boggling. Um, but Fabio Maldonado's at 15. I would take Latifi over Maldonado at this point. Yeah, I would do so already. But... Uh... We'll wait and see yeah. how that goes. Uh, another interesting fight on the prelim card. Lots of interesting prospects on the prelim card. Uh, Scott mm-hmm. Askham making his UFC debut against Magnus Sedenblad, which is a tough fight for him. Uh, Sedenblad's 2-1 in the UFC. Performance of the night, submission win over Christoph Jocko in Germany. Um, this is a tough fight for Askham, but I think he's one to watch. Absolutely. He was in... Was he in Bama? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he... He looked good his last time out. Um, twelve and zero. Twelve and zero. Yeah, I, I think I think he's a guy to watch. I don't know that he'll be a top end guy, but 
a guy to keep an eye on and a guy that's fun to watch, I think. Indeed. Do you think he gets past Sedenblad here? I think so. I don't I don't know Sedenblad that well, but I think I think Askham's the better fighter with the brighter future. Another interesting fighter that's going to be on this card is, is Karl Pendred. He's mm-hmm. fighting Gassan Umalatov, who uh, lost to Gunnar Nelson in London early. No, sorry. Am I... Uh, I'm thinking of someone else. Who did um, who did Umalatov fight in London? Uh, he Is fought it... Paulo Tiago, and he beat him. And he fought Neil Magny. And I'm confusing him. Umalatov and Akhmedov. Oh. Too many Russians. Too many Russians. Too many Russians. But uh, it'd be interesting to see Carl Pendred again. Tartrang is on this card. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Seaver against Charles Rosa, which was supposed to be Taylor <laughs> Lapilis, because F-U-S-M-M-A-F. Um, good Can to see I it. just say that um, this probably should have been Artem Lobov's fight? Uh, did you see that big campaign they had on Twitter? Yeah. Trying to get Lobov this fight. It made sense to me, but, but oh well. I don't know if the SMAF would have gone for it. <laughs> but they are. It's good to see them messing with a promotion that isn't Cage Warriors for change. Hopefully yeah. poking the UFC will get them some attention and uh, things will change over at the Swedish Mixed Martial Arts Federation. Because they are messing with cards. and Well, this is a guy with 30 fights versus a guy with 6 fights. But it was a guy with... Th- they, they rejected a guy with 30 fights against a guy with 5 fights. Oh, so this is much better. You're right. Yeah. they've. I mean, they're fine with this, but they're not fine with the other one. It's uh, It's crazy. Don't yeah. get me started in the SMMAF. Also, this card in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Roy McDonald versus Tarek Safadine. in a big fight in the welterweight division. Uh, mm-hmm. Also a big fight in the bantamweight division, half hour since so Brian Caraway. Uh, Sean, who are you picking in both of those fights and why? I, I think I like the favorites in both of them. Uh, I'm going to take Roy McDonald. I think, uh, you know, over five rounds, I think he'll he'll last. I think he's got better angles. They're both very good strikers, but I think McDonald will avoid um, and maybe even take this to the ground. I, I could really see him uh, using his wrestling and putting Safadine on his back and just kind of beating him up from there for five rounds. Uh, Safadine's tough. I don't know if McDonald can finish him. If he can, that'd be a big feather in his cap. But um, either way, I see McDonald winning that fight. Uh, Asuncao, I think, should style on Brian Caraway here, possibly get the finish, and um, continue to wait on the sidelines until <laughs> Cruz Dillashaw is finished. Isn't there a danger that Safadine McDonald ends up being worryingly dull? Yes. If it stays on the feet, um, you know, they're both counter... Counter-strikers, kind of I believe, people... is what Sean was trying to say there. What did I say? It cut out. Oh, okay. Yeah. You said Strike. counter. I assumed counter-strikers. Yeah, counter-strikers. Uh, they both kind of wait for that mistake to happen. Um, they don't finish people, really. Then neither of them are, are great finishers. So, yeah, there's a very good chance that, you know, McDonald waits for Safadine to make a mistake. Safadine waits for McDonald to make a mistake. And neither of them really do, so they kind of just stand in front of each other. But I think McDonald will come in prepared better than that. Safadine has gone to five rounds in both of his last two fights, uh, winning them both by unanimous decision. So I think <laughs> that five round experience will serve him well, if, as it possibly could, this fight yes. with McDonald goes to five rounds. Uh, soon so, again, I think... He has a very good chance of beating Caraway. Other than that, there's just a lot of guys from Tough Nations on this fight. Chad Laprie. We never got your picks for those fights. I, I picked the same as you, the two favorites. Okay. Okay. Uh, Chad Laprie, the disgustingly attractive Elias Theodoru. Uh, 
Nardine Talib, uh, is Li Jingliang? Was he Tough China? No, he I was, think so. No, he yeah, wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't. No, he was before Tough China. Um, oh. he yeah, he was on the Brow Dillashaw card. Yes, uh, Jake Lindsay was Tough Nations, wasn't he? I can't remember. Olivier Aubin Mercier, I think he was. Yeah, I think Mercier was. Tough Nations. Uh, how many guys were on Tough Nations? Let's have a look. Uh, Jake Lindsay was not. I'm confusing him with Jake Matthews. Oh, okay. An easy mistake to make, I'm sure. Um, I watched very little of that series, I'm not going to lie. Um, because it wasn't <laughs> that interesting. Well, nope. what do you think of, particularly Elias Theodoro? He's a guy who a lot of people are looking to, I think mostly due to his... His charisma and his looks is someone that they could potentially build on. A uh, tough fight against Bruno Santos. What do you think of his chances? Yeah, I think I like Teodoro to win this fight. I think he, he's more well-rounded. I think he can go three rounds. Um, yeah, I, I think I think he's just got the, the better skills overall. I think he's a little more sharpened. Um, and I think, like you said, he's they're looking for a Canadian star right now. Um, you know, GSP's gone. Uh, other guys have kind of gone by the wayside. So, so if a good-looking, good-talking Elias Teodoro could do that, um, that's definitely the direction I think I think they'd go in. Um, it's going to be hard to break through in that weight division, but uh, I could see him being a fringe top fifteen guy sooner than later. Two fights I think there are ones to watch on the prelim card: Dan Cruikshank, Antonio Nujakowani is Great headlining fight. the Fox Sports Two prelim of the card. That is a really interesting fight. Uh, between two probably top 20, top 25 level lightweights. Um, Which is amazing to say, because they're both, especially Crookshank, is, you know, a pretty good fighter. And in any other weight division, it'd be a lot closer to being ranked, but lightweight is just so deep. Well, Anthony Nujikawani, he's probably going to win, because that's how the pattern of his results work. <laughs> I mean, I I kid, I, I kid you Crookshank not. In this fight. Since, since uh, WEC 50, he has gone loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. Wow. So he's going to win. Done. Uh, the no, law of patterns. I think Crookshank, I think Crookshank uh, ends the pattern here. Probably. I think that's probably more likely. Yeah. Um, another fight to watch is Patty Holohan versus Chris Kalades. Yeah, I actually think this is a, a really fun fight because... Hollahan's more of a striker, from my understanding. Would you agree with that? Um, to an extent. To an extent. Okay. Clady's, um, you know, I think he deserves this opportunity. I've watched him on the kind of the Canadian circuit the last few years. Very good grappler. Uh, coming down from 135. Um, I think Hollahan should win, but but I think it's a fun fight. It's a fun style matchup, and it should be interesting as long as it lasts. Hollahan's grappling has kind of been his... Uh... His strong point, actually, is he coming through okay. his career so far. I, as I review his record, he has uh, eight submissions out of ten wins. So wow. probably a submission guy. Let's put it that way. Okay. Um, well, then it should be a, a fun ground game here. A exactly. fun ground fight. Indeed. Uh, Pedro Munoz is also opening the card. And, and I think he's a a very interesting bantamweight prospect as well. He came very close to beating. Well, not very close. But he looked good against Hafiela Sunsau earlier this year. Um, so, so he's a guy to watch at Bantamweight. For sure. That is going to do it for this week's podcast, I believe. Uh, I think that's a good place to round off. Uh, 
Sean, anything else you want to add this week? Or uh, I guess we haven't talked about the we haven't talked about the Ultimate Fighter. Um, no, Carla. As far as I'm getting past Angel Hill with relative ease, uh, Felice, as expected. Felice Herrig, uh, Heather Joe Clark is coming up in the next episode, and it looks like Justine Quiche is probably going to end up going home. Someone has a knee injury and is pulling out, and someone gets brought back. Um, which is interesting because you'd think if there was anyone they want to bring back, it's probably Tisha Torres. But Justin Keish is on the other team, so... Interesting. Do they give Tisha Torres a, a, the fight and se- maybe send her to Team Pettis? I don't know. I don't know. I like that. I don't think you should get two chances when it's a, a title fight opportunity. I mean... Well, they have to bring someone in to fight. Because uh, she's fighting back Rawlings. Yeah. yeah so someone I, has I to fight back Rawlings. True. Um... I we'll see, see. I think that would be good drama. Send Tisha Torres to Team Pettis to fill in for, <laughs> for Justine Quiche. Yeah. Uh, and she fights back Rawlings. Rawlings keep them on the same team. That would be weird. Uh, what else? Is anything worth to- else worth talking about, worth mentioning on the show? Um, I don't think so. Is there a Bellator card this weekend? Uh, there is. There is? There is. Um, yeah. Uh, Friday night, Daniel Strauss versus Justin Wilcox. It's kind of a fun fight. Oh, uh, yes. Carl Parisian is back. He's going to bring the heat. Um, Rob Emerson's on that card. Christian Mpumbu versus Kendall Grove. That's kind of fun. No? Nothing? Sure. Um, also on the prelims of that card is Sokaju. Uh, <laughs> Sadawad is on that. Sokaju. Uh, Sean Bunch, who is a, a pretty interesting prospect with fantastic wrestling so so some interesting fights there i think if you're looking for some fun on friday night and you're not going to order the battleground pay-per-view um that's what not are you the, doing that's not the worst main why would you watch bellator together. instead of watching a one-night tournament with chael Sonnen and jim ross because you know who's not free. chael Sonnen and jim ross jimmy smith and that other guy Wheelock. sean yeah they're not jim ross i like them though i think they do a great job but they're not jim ross they're not jim ross um yeah, if you can't afford the battleground and you're looking for some MMA fix, I think this Bellator card is kind of fun. Sure. <laughs> you agree? Great. Meh. Sean, where can people find you on social media? You can find me on the Twitters at Sean, S-H-A-W-N underscore W underscore Smith. And as always, check out my work on Fightland.com. I am on a, I am on Twitter at Calm Leslie MMA. You can find my work in MMASucker.com and in Fighting Spirit Magazine. Maybe the next one? I think so. I lose track because my name isn't on the, the write-ups. So I lose track of which ones are mine and which aren't. But I, I write stuff for them. Uh, if you're interested in some non-MMA content, uh, you can follow my wrestling podcast at Answer the Ten. Which is great. Indeed, it is. You can follow my personal account at CLeslie92 for really everything that isn't mma so uh wrestling stuff uh my gaming journalism my esports journalism for ghostygamers.net and all sorts of other shite as well so yeah why not follow me on all the things uh oh are we uh, done yeah oh. sorry oh. <laughs> <laughs> i just uh so, <laughs> I, i'll share this story why not we'll share this as an ending uh sure. because it's nothing to do with mma so there's a big esports tournament in China right now, um, and it's kind of a disaster. It's kind of a Explain disaster. Explain to people what what that is. Um, 
what e what esports it's basically competitive yeah, yeah. video games for money and they make more money than mma fighters yeah so... quite a bit of money <laughs> uh 10 million dollars for the top tournaments are the total prize pools yeah it's pretty crazy so this tournament in china has like two is like six hundred thousand dollars on the line for various games um one of the casters the the commentators was american he didn't make it because he missed his flight um and didn't realize he needed a visa um some german website has said apparently uh uh, mr trump said i'm american i can go wherever i want but mr trump has no recollection of saying this i hope he did say that because that's an amazing thing to say i'm american that i can do whatever the f i want it's fantastic well he wouldn't be the first american to think that Nope. This has been the Grapple Top Podcast, brought to you by MMASucker.com, a Canadian website, funnily enough. And we will be back next week, maybe, with another podcast uh, covering all the weeks happening in MMA. But for myself and Sean, thank you very much for joining us. We are 